And so, in all honesty, Black Social was really kind of my way of saying, like, what's missing? What do I want and do I think is missing to allow the Black generation in America and hopefully the globe one day to really be heard and elevated in the way that I think we deserve and we don't get? And so for me, I think when I finally decided to leave Deloitte and I accepted a role at Amazon, I did it with the knowledge that I was also going to start Black Social. Hey everyone, this is Ashley Menzies Babatunde and welcome to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. No Straight Path is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are digging into the human stories behind success, and my hope, as always, is that you just leave this conversation inspired, motivated, and excited about your journey. I hope you all enjoyed last week's episode with my husband. It was a special one. I know I'm biased, but I do appreciate all the positive feedback. And we are continuing the Black love and entrepreneurship theme this week with an interview with my cousin, Dupay Babatunde. Dupay and I are cousins through marriage and we immediately clicked. She's just so kind and chic and brilliant. And we also connected over our spirituality, love of family, travel, and good wine. And more recently, we've been connecting through our side hustle entrepreneurial journeys. Before we get to our conversation, I'd love to tell you more about Dupay. She is a Nigerian-American alumna of Cornell University. She has extensive experience in management consulting and product management with Deloitte and Amazon. And she is the founder and CEO of Black Social, an app that focuses on connecting Black communities through three features, dating, a business and event directory, and networking for entrepreneurs. The app is open to users of all ethnicities in the hope of elevating Black culture and voices to all who are interested in engaging. Dupay lives in Washington, D.C., love that city, and she loves the city for its culture, people, and the ability to walk anywhere and find something interesting to do. She also enjoys traveling, a good meal, mentoring others, and spending time with family and friends. All right, I think you guys are going to love this episode, so let's get to it. All right. I'm so excited to have my cousin, Dupay Babatunde. Thank you for joining me on No Straight Path. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, me too. So because we are cousins through marriage, I actually don't know all the ins and outs of your childhood and who you were. So I'd love to start there and just tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your upbringing. And I'd love to see how little Dupay is showing up in the work that you're doing today. I love this question. Your husband is probably a good person to ask. So I'll give the full (laughs) background. Ashley, as she said, we're cousins by marriage. So my dad and her husband's dad are brothers. My dad is the older brother. And so I was partially raised in Portland, Oregon. So grew up hanging out with Shagun most weekends, picking on him as he loves to remind people. And then my dad works for the military and we moved to Germany when I was about 11. And I did all of my middle school and high school there. And then I moved to Ithaca, New York for college. My parents moved to Virginia and I live in DC. But Little Dupay was probably 
my parents would probably tell you I was quiet because at home I was quiet. I was kind of an only child. I do have older siblings, but they're so much older. They weren't really in the house. So I think my dad would be like, yeah, you were pretty quiet. But if you talk to anyone at school or anywhere else, I was definitely very loud, very vocal, very opinionated, very bossy. I did not like to lose. And I was passionate about whatever I did because I think that was just how I lived life. And so when I think of who I am now, it took me a while to get to remember those childhood traits that I love so much about, like going after your passions and being comfortable, being vocal and opinionated and bossy. I think when I got into college and even into my first few years of my career, I was very much just trying to follow the straight and narrow and do what I was told. But I soon broke out of that. I felt like I had so many opinions and so many things that I wanted to do and so many things I wanted to achieve that I was like, I need to start speaking up more for myself and what I want. So I think moving and being all over really helped me kind of form into this adult and remember some of those childhood traits in myself that I love so much. I love that so much. Yeah. And I can definitely see it today. And I'd love to know, or at least let the listeners know a bit more about your family background. I know it, but culturally, and what are some of the values that your parents instilled in you growing up? Oh, such a good question. So I am a Nigerian American. My dad is born and raised in Nigeria. He did not move to the US until he was about 26. And if you talk to him today, he still sounds like he just came over yesterday. And I love how important his culture is to him. My mother is a Black American, born and raised in Portland, Oregon. So they met in Portland. And it's really like two worlds that collided. You just have two very different cultures that came together and created us. And so I think the good thing is both of them really raised me in a strong Christian home. I think my mom very much was a strong Black woman. And I think my dad really had to learn how to adapt to that. I think for him, especially at the time he was raised in Nigeria, he had not always seen that level of go-getter type woman. And so I think it was something he had to adapt to. And I think it was really kind of cool to see how they came together. So I would say very strong Christian background. I would also just say two parents who were very much like, you are going to overachieve and expected the top from me. And I never wanted to come home with a failing grade. And Also, they really did allow me to have personality and kind of do what I wanted. Of course, they would check me if I went too far with the attitude, um, (laughs) but they definitely let me have personality and speak my mind, which I truly appreciate. I love that. I love that. And you are still speaking your mind and going after what you want, which I really admire about you. And I want to know about how you got here, got to become the woman that you are today. And so can you tell me about that pivotal moment in your career that's led you on the trajectory of where you are today? It's amazing to think about in all honesty, because when I first graduated and started off at Deloitte, I was sure I was going to become a partner there. I was obsessed with the world of, I get to travel, I support different clients. Like, why would I ever leave this? And at about year nine, I just, I was exhausted of being on the road, of feeling like I couldn't prioritize family and friends. And then when I thought about what I really loved, it wasn't HR consulting. I didn't mind it. I was good at it. And I had already been told I could make partner, but I didn't 
love it anymore. And I could afford to travel on my own dime. I didn't really need that funding. And so what really happened was almost what I'm going to call like a nervous breakdown slash depression. I don't know if that's being too extreme, but it was at a point where I remember I called my mother. I was crying, just like couldn't stop at an airport in Minnesota. I will never forget this. And she was like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. I just can't stop crying. Like I can't. She's like, just quit. You have to quit. It's not worth it. I did not exactly take her advice, but I did get into therapy. And she asked me some very deep questions of like, do you love what you're doing? Are you happy? And do you think you can create the boundaries that you want at this company? And when I started to think I wasn't happy, I didn't know how to create boundaries and this wasn't where I wanted to be. And so when I was doing that work, at the same time, I was trying to figure out what I was passionate about. And I realized what I loved most at Deloitte was really trying to elevate Black voices and Black consultants and trying to figure out how we grow that. And so for me, when I thought about what I wanted to do, it needed to be anchored in that. And so in all honesty, Black Social was really kind of my way of saying like, what's missing? What do I want and do I think is missing to allow the Black generation in America and hopefully the globe one day to really be heard and elevated in the way that I think we deserve and we don't get? And so for me, I think when I finally decided to leave Deloitte And I accepted a role at Amazon. I did it with the knowledge that I was also going to start Black Social. It was for me, I need to be in a space where I can set boundaries. And as I'm setting those boundaries, I can build my side hustle, my business and the app Black Social and and make that work. Mm -hmm. So I did that all in my mind. And so it was kind of this shocking thing as I talk to people about me leaving Deloitte and starting this whole new thing, but it's, it's been the best decision I've made, if I'm being honest. Wow. I love that. There's so many parts of that story I actually did not know. So thank you so much for sharing. And can you tell us why it was the best decision? I think you've probably heard this before. Life is too short. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I think especially in America's kids, we're kind of trained to go through, you know, elementary school, middle school, college, and then you get a job, right? And and that's just what you're supposed to be doing. And so I think we get so caught up in this set life and set path that we don't really think about what we want all the time, or not everyone does. I think that's different for every culture and every ethnicity, but I, I'm going to speak as a Black woman. Like, I did not necessarily grow up thinking like, I can build an app or I can do a podcast. Like those weren't conversations we were having. Of course, some of that's just, they weren't available roles back then when I was young. But I think for me, what I realized and why it was important was I couldn't function anymore. Like I wasn't the version of myself who was sassy and bossy and passionate about what I was doing and excited. It just felt like I was a shell of myself. And so now at least, even when I am doing my side hustle and Amazon, I'm excited about it. I did a pitch today for 
like a fund that I'm hoping to get for like 10K. And I was just, yeah, it was in the middle of my day and it was really hard, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm so glad that I'm getting to talk about my business and what I want to do. So for me, it's just become this, life is too short to not enjoy what you're doing. And that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. doesn't mean I love every single day, but it just means that in my gut, in my heart, like if you ask me if I'm going in the direction that I want to be going, I can say yes. And I couldn't have done that before. Wow. I love that so much. I feel so seen. There's so many commonalities in our story and definitely can relate to just the shell of yourself when you're giving so much to a job that perhaps isn't filling you up or filling your cup, then you wake up one day and realize, wait, where did that girl go? And so it's so nice to be able to step back into yourself, back into your purpose, to light up. You are certainly correct. This journey is hard, (laughs) but it is also exciting. And I'm just curious about the work that you're doing right now with Black Social. What's the mission? Tell us all about it. So I should have this memorized because I just did the pitch, but Black Social in a nutshell for me was kind of a selfish venture where I needed to create a space where I could connect with Black businesses, Black events. I wanted to find a husband and traveling so much made it very, very difficult. And so for me, it offers three different features. There's a dating feature. There's a feature where you can have a business and event directory and then networking for entrepreneurs. They're all kind of isolated features. You can click on one and just enjoy that, or you can use other features. And so it's kind of my goal to make it like a new social network. I do want to make it clear every ethnicity is able to use the app. It's free. We're really just focused on elevating Black businesses and events and really bringing the support that we need. I I think it's very interesting if you look at the data today of Black businesses fail at an alarmingly higher rate than other ethnicities. And they fail faster, even though Black women especially are one of the biggest creators of Black businesses. And so for me, when I think about that, that's really coming down to, are we getting the support? Are we getting kind of the celebration and highlight that we deserve? And I think the answer is no. And so really, how do I improve that? For me, it's kind of a bigger mission of not just having a section that highlights Black movies or Black businesses. It's really about creating kind of a full experience for you to be able to tap into and experience. I love that. I love that. I love the work that you're doing. And I am curious about the balance because I know it probably is a challenging one, but how do you balance the corporate job with the side hustle, with the business? Do you have advice for others? Yeah. I think my first piece of advice is going to be be realistic. Anything that you thought you would be able to do in a regular timeline is probably going to take you longer just because you're balancing two roles. So I think be really realistic with yourself and what you're trying to achieve. I would also say definitely make sure that this is the path that is for you. I had very specific reasons why I wanted to continue working in my role at Amazon as I continue to build Black Social. But I think where I am even right now, I'm starting to look at how do I go down to part-time. So I'm going to also say like, 
have a timeline for yourself of, okay, I'm going to work both of these roles full time for a year or a year and a half, whatever it might be, and then figure out like a ramp down plan. I think because the reality is if this is, if your side hustle is what you really want to do and you start to get traction with it and you start to see that it's going to create some type of income that you need, I think you're going to recognize that the energy and effort you need to put into it is going to take over your regular day. And that's okay. That's fine, which is why having the timeline and the plan is super important. And then give yourself grace. That's the last thing I'm going to say. There are going to be days where you woke up and you had this plan of, I'm going to work my corporate job from nine to five. And then at six till 10, I'm going to do my content planning. I'm going to plan the newsletter or whatever you need to do. And your nine to five through five left curves at you and it was a hot mess and you didn't get to whatever you wanted to do. And so give yourself grace on those days, on those weeks, in that month, because it's going to work and it may not be as fast as others and you might have to reevaluate and reassess, but you're going to get there. And so trust yourself and be patient with yourself and love on yourself some more on those days where it just feels harder or just like it's not working the way you want it. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. And you are in a very interesting space. And so I am curious about your thoughts. Any interesting findings on dating and Black love based on the research you've done or the work Um, you've been doing? I've learned a lot about me, about dating. So I think the funny thing is Black online dating is really small. It is not something that we in our community depend on as much. I think you see Black women jumping in a lot more frequently, but we're still trying to get Black men to kind of also get there and swipe and have the same experience. So I think that's kind of one of the first things that was really interesting is I had assumed because I'd used other dating apps that it was kind of common practice for everyone. But as I'd had more conversations with Black men, I think that was kind of the first thing that I'd really, really learned. I think the second thing is we're in an amazing kind of time right now when it comes to Black love. And I think you and Shagun are a very good example of this, where our previous generation was very old school. I don't know any other way to say it, where we really had expectations of the mom or the wife kind of does all the cooking and the cleaning and a lot of the rearing of the kids. And then I think the dad is the protector, the provider, and he can also be stern when needed to for the kids, but it was very much like heavy on the female side. And I think what we're seeing right now is this beautiful balance of redefining gender roles in marriage and actually just creating roles based on what each of you love. So if the man loves to cook or he's the better chef in the kitchen, like that's what he's going to do. Maybe he loves to fold laundry or whatever it might be. It's just shifting it and figuring out how to support and love one another in the best way to, to elevate each other. And I just think those are very different conversations than what we saw when we were younger. And I think, especially in the Black community, we're really pushing that and we're really seeing that in so many different ways. And so I think that's really, really beautiful. And I think the conversations we're having around that are growing. And so I think it's creating 
better relationships. I know statistics will say there's really high divorce rates and I'm not going to deny that, but I also think there's a level of honesty and a level of teamwork that I think is happening Mm. in marriages and relationships that we didn't see before. And so I think those are kind of the two things that are really awesome as I've really dug into this Black love world and, and I'm trying to meet my own husband. So fun part. Yes. Yes. I love that. We're putting it out there. You will yes. meet your <laughs> wonderful husband and it'll be an egalitarian framework where, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, you're, you're definitely right. It is interesting because I certainly grew up with that framework. My parents very Christian and traditional values. And so my dad went to work and my mom stayed at home. And a lot of my friends didn't have that experience. There were certainly, even within my family, there are different frameworks. So we did grow up seeing different things, but that is what I saw. And with me and Shagun, yeah, I never cook. He doesn't either. We outsource. We <laughs> we play and to our strengths. So and that works out well. What matters. I think that's the best part of it is like no two marriages need to look the same, no two situation, and they're not supposed to, but it's like that's the important conversation you have to have and find that partner that's willing to create that life with you and give of themselves what they need to and you give of yourself what you need to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, I love love. So I love what you yeah. were doing. And I'm curious just about your purpose yeah. when it comes to your life, when it comes to professionally or personally. Can you tell us about that? Oh, such a good question. And there's a Maya Angelou quote that I love that kind of really describes it. It's honestly what I try and live by because truthfully, it's kind of angered me. So the quote itself reads, my mission in life is not to merely survive, but to thrive and to do so with some passion, some compassion, some humor, and some style. And for me, that's really what I anchored to. And it's funny because that became my quote on my resume when I was literally looking for a role to get out of Deloitte. And I think it's a perfect description for who I am and who I want to be. Is like, I don't want to do anything that I'm not truly in love with. I don't want to spend time being small or not going after what I believe in or what I love. And I want to have fun doing it. I want to do it with my family and my friends. And I want to experience as much life as I can. So for me, that includes a lot of travel. I will go to any and every country, whether it's solo or with friends. I was just in Ghana, which was amazing. I was in Colombia by myself, which was also amazing. And I think Those are all different types of resets that I get. I'm also a huge family girl, family and friends girl. So you can usually catch me like, when's our next catch up? What are we doing? And I think to me, those are my anchors. I'm going to always anchor to my family and my friends because I think that's what fuels me and they encourage my life in in so many ways. And then of course, I just, I love a good meal and I love some good wine. So For me, all of that together is like my perfect combination. And so anything that I do now or I pursue, it's going to have to have some elements of that. And then I think also just the element of giving back. I have a favorite basketball coach from high school who I think he just really, when I watched how he mentored me and others and and how he made sure he poured into us more than just as a basketball coach, it instilled in me to make sure that I'm doing that for others around me. 
And so no matter what I'm doing, I always want to find a way to mentor others or uplift others and, and give of what I can of myself and provide any knowledge that I can share. So I feel like I said a lot, but really anchor to that quote. That is my favorite quote. And I think everyone can add that to their life and benefit from it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm definitely adding it to mine. So thank you for sharing. And I'm also just curious about advice that you might have for entrepreneurs in general. Mm -hmm. Any tips, any hard things that have happened, any lessons learned? Lots of lessons learned. Here's what I'm going to start with. Believe in your idea and believe in yourself. I'm going to make that the base because I think that's most important is in order for you to build a story or be able to tell the story of whatever it is you're trying to create, you really, really have to believe in it and not just think of it as another potential stream of money. I truly believe the best entrepreneurs are the ones who love that idea and and really want to see it flourish. I think the other big thing I would say is make a plan and do as much research as you can. I think the funny thing is, is as I even thought of Black Social, I kind of was like, oh, I've worked in tech. I know how to do project management and product manage, like the development of a product. But I think my biggest lesson was I had no clue the importance of the marketing and Instagram and this whole other world of having to put my face out there. Honestly, I'm going to tell you my biggest shock was the moment people were like, yeah, you're going to have to do reels and use your face or you're going to have to like get on a podcast and people are going to hear your voice. So I said, no, no, I'm not the product. The product is the app. Like that's what I want to push. No one needs to see my face. I spent a good six to eight months arguing with one of my closest college friends who does marketing at Pfizer like, no, I'm just going to keep these same posts. No one's going to see my face. It'll be fine. And what I also realized God was pushing me to as I was doing this was to step outside of my comfort zone and to really become more than just the app and really step into who I was as a little girl, passionate, willing to talk about what I loved and willing to take those leaps of faith and and have that courage. And so I think I say all of that to say, like, in all honesty, plan it out. Think of all of the different elements of it and do your research so that you can really not miss some of those smaller pieces that I thought I missed or didn't think that I needed. And then trust your community and, and lean on them. And I mean that not just for like the moral support, but I mean, people are went to school for this stuff that I didn't go to school for. Like I just said, my friend who was in marketing, I was like, girl, you got to help me with my Instagram. What can we do? How do we partner together? Use different people in your network and their skill sets and, and where they can help push you. I use my friends who've gotten their MBA to work on my pitch decks, like all of these different things that I hadn't been exposed to. You have people in your community who are willing to help you. And so lean on them. And that was just another big test. For me, I was very independent. And so learning to ask for help was not a strength of mine. I felt like I had become very like, yes, I got it. I'll pay for it. I'll do it, whatever. And Black Social was really the challenge that made me be like, nope, I don't have all of it. I can't do this all on my own. I don't want to do it all on my own because I want it to be the best. I want to 
create the best product. And for me to do that, I can't own all the different pieces and all the different facets. So I think those are my kind of three big things that I would go on. Yeah, no, those are so great. They resonate with me as well. And leaning on community is extremely important. And I think for people like you and me, that is challenging because we have done so much on our own with community, but still on our own, especially with a more linear kind of corporate path. You get mentors Mm -hmm. and everything, but the entrepreneurial journey is different and you have to ask more from other people. And that is challenging. You have to self-promote. You have to market. Yes, that is a whole thing. And the thing is that if you're in a different industry, even though you have this great idea and you probably have this great product to sell, if you don't have the marketing mind, you do need to talk to the people who have the marketing mind who have been studying this for quite some time. And that is something I am certainly learning. My cousin, thankfully, both my cousins are in marketing. One of my best friends is in marketing. They were all telling me the same thing. And I was like you, Dupe. I was like, I don't want to do a reel. (laughs) Do I have to do this every day? But my advice also is to figure out what form of social media works for you, right? Um, You don't need to do a dancing reel. You don't need to do certain types of content. I realize I'm a talker. I like to speak to people. I like to share what's on my heart, what is on my mind. And so that's the kind of content that I put out. I like to write. So I write and I post on LinkedIn and that feels natural and fun to me. So you got to figure out the things that don't drain you because it is really challenging. And I agree. The other note I'll add is that I was afraid to ask the people in my community to help me because I would have to you know, Mm. ask them for free labor and who wants to Mm. do that? And my cousin said she would work for me for free. So we are actually doing a social media launch soon together, which I'm super excited about. And it was hilarious because you know how family is. My aunt calls me and she said, why don't you have Erica doing this for you? You see how she's grown her brand on Instagram and everything. Call her and every week you need to have a meeting. And I would tell her, I'm like, auntie, I can't ask her to do all this free labor for me, but she has a full-time job. She has her own brand. She has her own child. She has her own husband. (laughs) And then I called my cousin. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to feel like a burden. And she literally said, I want to help you. Let's do this together. So I love that. You have to be a little bold and ask for help. We cannot get through life alone at all in any part of our journey, but Mm. especially if you're doing an entrepreneurial enterprise and you are new to it. And even if you are not new to it, you will need help. So thank you for sharing that because I think it's really, really good advice and I think it's really hard for people to do. I mean, I could not have said it better. You are absolutely correct. Like value and lean in on them. And what you realize is they want to help you. They want to be there. You just need to get out of your own way and ask. Yeah. Yeah. And I am just curious about your consulting days because you had a great career. I mean, nine years, that's a long time Mm -hmm. to be at a consulting firm. I remember that you were traveling every week and I'm sure that you built up some transferable skills. Can you tell us about the consulting career and how that has impacted the work that you're doing now in a positive or negative way? But I'd love to hear about that experience and how that's transferable. Yeah. Working at Deloitte actually is what made me believe I could do this because pretty much the whole time there I was doing tech implementations. And so basically what that means is 
we would help a company implement any type of technology that would help their company run better. And so I would come in and help them put together the project end-to-end, figure out the processes they wanted to improve and come up with all the requirements. And so when you think of building an app, it's the exact same thing. So if you think of Facebook or Instagram or any of those, all of the notifications that you get, the different paths you can take to go to your settings or to post a photo or a reel, all of that are requirements that are fed to your software development engineers, and then they set it up and look at it. And so for me, I basically was like, okay, I know I know how to do this part. I know how to come up with my list of requirements. I know how to think through what I want each page to look like. And so what I'll say is the easier part. I don't know if that sounds crazy, but that was the what felt like the easier part other than it being a mobile app versus a technology that you would use on your laptop. So I think that was the big thing that was transferable was really just the product and project management and really to be able to craft how I want this app to work. How do I make it user-friendly? I think that's one of the big things that you want to push in any app and why we love things like Instagram so much and get frustrated when it changes is we love familiarity and we love to know where things are. And so the moment you move it to another location, even if it might make sense, it doesn't make sense to us at the beginning. And so it bothers us. I think that's why so many people had strong reactions when Apple got rid of their home button and then it was just the swipe up. At first, everyone was like, no, no, that's terrible. I hate it. And now it's like, if I see you with the home button, you are way behind and I can't even be your friend. Um, So I think that was the big thing that was transferable to me. I think the other thing that it really gave me that I'm tapping back into more now is being comfortable telling my story and, and putting together what I'm trying to get out of it and then the research behind it. I think I had this concept that felt new, but then it's like, well, how do I know this is even something people want? So how do I start to look at the research there? How do I start to even see, is this truly going to be, is there like a billion dollar business that people would be willing to fund this? And so I think the research side that I had to do at Deloitte was really, really big in influencing me knowing how to dig in and really be able to start to tell my story that way. So I think those things were good. And then, yeah, it it really helped me feel more comfortable orating and just sharing who I am comfortably and the story of Black Social. So I'm very thankful for those skills that some that I'm tapping into more now than ever. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. I asked that question just because I think sometimes when we hear a lot of stories where people go work their corporate jobs, they climb the corporate ladder, they burn out, they have this breakdown, they leave, they start this amazing business, they find themselves, they do X, Y, and Z. And it sounds like a version of, your story and of mine and of other people we know. And it's quite inspirational. I will say you're a very inspirational person. But I think sometimes people see that story and they think, corporate America, I can't go to that. I can't go work at that job. I'm going to be like that woman who burned out. And I think that it's a part of life. I think that there's no wasted experiences. I think a lot of people have financial considerations and it gives you the capital and the skills and the things that you might need. There are a lot of issues with it. So I will say that. And that is what I'm fighting against, trying to create a more human-centered culture. Yeah. But corporations are not going anywhere. And it's okay to go and work in these corporations and get the skills. And even if you have that entrepreneurial bug, 
I see a lot of people do that. And so just trying to humanize the entire experience. And I think that the more people I talk to, that's a pretty normal route. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I honestly think Listen, I know you have the Bill Gates and the Mark Zuckerbergs who are in college and come up with the once in a lifetime idea and are able to not finish and and do their thing. But I think a lot of what I was able to learn in corporate America really benefited me. And 21-year-old me would not have been able to achieve or even attempt what I'm doing now. And so I think just like anything, boundaries are very important with any role or job that you do. And I'm not sure if this was your experience, but I realized like I hadn't put in place boundaries. I had not learned to say no to my managers and like let them react to it. I just assumed that if I said no, that it was going to be a ding against me or it was going to come up in my year end and I was just going to suffer for it. When in reality, like I learned as I was on my exit path that they were like, no, had you just asked, we would have made it work. And that was on me. And I realized that. And then people were like, well, why didn't you stay, girl? But the reality was, is I'd realized I couldn't set boundaries after saying yes for so long. And I didn't think I would be Mm. able to learn to say no in that environment. It just wasn't something I thought I was capable of doing at the time. So I definitely think you can do it. You should do a corporate stint if you can and use it for you. I think that's the biggest thing. Use it how you want to use it and create that timeline if you really do want to be an entrepreneur to get out. But I I definitely think there's value in it. I love that. I love that. And how do you define success? This is such a good question. Because again, child dupe and even early 20s dupe would have said, I'm the CEO or the CHRO, and I make millions of dollars, and I own a house on every continent, yada, yada. And I think <laughs> success to me now is seeing Black Social become successful. That's definitely in terms of I want it to be an app that grows. I want it to add the value that I see in it. Now, what that means for me monetarily, I don't know. But I do want to see people on the street being like, yeah, Black Social and talking about it and and loving their experience with it. But I would really say success for me is my family and my friends being happy and healthy and me spending time with them. And me truly, at the end of the day, asking myself, did I make a difference in someone's life? And if my answer is yes, then I'm successful. And that's what I want to be able to do because that's what matters most. I really think that's why I was brought here. So it's really, really changed for me, as you can see, like not saying I don't want to have this, but for me, when I check myself at the end of the day, it's like, did I pour into somebody's spirit today? Did I encourage them? Did I check in on my friends in the way they needed to be checked in on? And so, yeah, that's what I would say. I love that so much. Yes. (laughs) to all of that. I think that's a wonderful definition of success. And you can already, you're already living it, which is so beautiful. You're already making a difference. And so, and we're still climbing and we're still striving because it's not mutually exclusive. Facts. And so I usually end with final thoughts. If you have any final thoughts, please share. I love this podcast and the name of it because I think it's a reality for everyone. And 
I think my biggest misconceived notions were really that I had to continue down my path towards partner. And that was going to be what made me successful and what made me happy. And so I would just say, check in with yourself wherever you are today and start to write out what matters to you and find different ways to cultivate that. And it can look different. It might just be a trip somewhere or a girls weekend. I don't know. It's going to look different, but check in with yourself and have regular check-ins with yourself and trust who you are and who you're becoming. And just remember that it's never too late to try something new or to go down a different path. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was amazing. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. And I mean, this is just awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. Remember to share the podcast with friends and family. And my hope is that these stories help you navigate your No Straight Path journey. If this content is adding value to your life, and I hope it is, please take a few minutes out of your day to rate the show and write a review. You can click the link in the show notes to write a review. It helps other listeners find the show, and I just really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, embrace the journey, and remember, you're not alone.